Thanks for tuning into the Live It podcast. My name is Jason Walton, the host. I'm really excited about the content that we're going to be sharing because it's going to be extremely helpful to entrepreneurs and to other high achievers. As entrepreneurs, we can choose to engage in producing a good or a service that makes the world a better place, enriching the lives of everyone associated with it. Let's not settle for anything less. In addition, I'm gonna regularly challenge each of us to increase our awareness of the needs of people around us, and then to boldly take action. We're gonna make the world a better place, not just through the goods and services we produce, and not just through the jobs we create, but by flooding the world with love and kindness. The information my guests are gonna be sharing on the podcast is gonna be based on our life experiences. It's not meant to be warranted as absolute truth. We don't stand behind the accuracy of the things that we're sharing, sorry. Feel free to fact check and do some homework on your own. It'll go a long way and it'll be a very useful exercise. Thanks for being a part of the Live It community. I hope you embrace and enjoy the journey. Our guest for this week's Live It podcast is Bree Ray. Bree is the founder of RaisingMe.org, which is a platform that provides resources to uh, multicultural and multi-ethnic families, and especially for parents. She's also an internationally acclaimed singer, songwriter, and artist. Bree also recently received an award for being one of the 30 women in Utah to watch. One of the things that I am the most excited about with Bree and want to congratulate her is that she was married just less than two weeks ago to my cousin, Tanu Apu, which makes us family. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Bree. Thanks for having me. First, if you would, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Raising Me, like what it is and sure. how it got started. Yeah, yeah. So um, Raising Me is a company that focuses on providing education, resources, and community opportunities to parents and children united through interracial adoption um, and multicultural families in general. Um, and so we do that through in-person events. We do that through providing um, resources and connecting parents with members of the community who are more versed and educated in, say, skincare or hair care or history um, to help these parents and the children have the support that they need. So fix my summary, if you would. The summary yeah. that I heard was that Raising Me provides support to parents of interracial children. So yeah. it could be parents of interracial children. Is it mainly through adoption who adopted those children? Um, or, but, yes and no. I mean, yeah. the adoption, foster care, and then obviously we have interracial families. My mom is white, my dad was black, and here I am. So that would also classify and qualify. So um, through any of those avenues. That is one of the coolest uh, ideas or projects that I've heard of in a long time. Thank you. Is it fun? I love it. It's really, really fun. I love it. So I met your mother. Yes. Uh, is it Lynette? Yes. So at, at the wedding, that was my first time meeting her yeah. and, and your grandfather, who I believe is Jewish. Yes, he is. Yep. So so you said interracial is your 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 uh, your father is black. Black, and then your 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 mother is white and also Jewish heritage. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm curious, does Raising Me take into account not just, is it cultural and ethnic? And maybe you can take some time to explain the difference between those two things. Yeah, yeah. So um, really the driving passion that I found for this company is as I was growing up, I had such a lack of racial and ethnic identity. And it caused a lot of confusion and 
um, a lot of waves in my identity development, just as a person in general. Um, and I had a lot of questions and a lot of parts of me that I didn't understand. Um, and so as I have journeyed through that and experienced that, I wanted to make it easier for other children and other parents who are trying to raise children and go through that same process. Um, and so really the two differences that I was looking at is racial identity has to do with your race, right? And connecting to your race, whereas ethnic identity has much more to do with culture. Um, and so that could go back to like even just knowing how to cook black food and knowing how to cook soul food and um, being exposed to black music and the history of black music and all these things that hugely impact black culture that I wasn't necessarily exposed to growing up in a predominantly white state. Um, and so the development of racial and ethnic identity, both of those are crucial, I think, to identity development in general. Yeah. So just to back up a little bit, you, if I get this right, you're half black, half white. Yeah. And the white side's Jewish yes. for cultural. And you grew up in Utah. Yes. So what you're saying is, is that, is that, <laughs> yeah. uh, Growing up that way in Utah, you 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 had some help. It, you need you needed some help. Yes, in some of the ethnic diversity because it's not very yes diverse here. Yeah, I really didn't have um, any black role models until yeah. I was eighteen, um, and I had my dad who was truly my best friend. Um, but he traveled a lot for work. So he'd be gone like up to six weeks at a time. Um, and then when I was 15, he had a severe stroke and became completely yeah. paralyzed on the right side of his body yeah. and lost all ability to speak. And so when I was 15 and really starting to dive into identity development without even knowing that's what was going on, um, is my main black influence couldn't talk to me anymore. Um, and that's not good. No. <laughs> I mean, on a lot of levels. One's because your father, Mike. Right. right. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. And so that, that made it a lot more difficult. And um, I, in junior high, I just, you can see, as I look back at my own history, we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in junior high, 15 years old. I wanted so desperately to represent well and identify with the black community and black culture, but had zero place to start and zero understanding of what that even meant. And so there's pictures of me and I probably still have the hoodie buried in a box somewhere, but I literally on the back of my hoodies would put black Brie on all like my team hoodies. And that was my nickname. That was my entire identity all through junior high was black Brie because I just wanted it so badly. And all I could come up with was, well, just, add black in front of your name and Put there you go. Yeah, because I yeah. just wanted it, but I didn't have it and didn't know how to get it or where to find it. Um, but when I was 18, I was accepted into the Young Arts program as a singer-songwriter. Um, and it's actually a scholarship program and they flew me out to Miami and I worked with all these industry professionals and deans of prestigious music schools and all of these things. And I worked with them for a week. Um, and then that led to me becoming a presidential scholar of the arts, which actually I'm the first ever singer songwriter, presidential scholar of the arts in history. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. But um, because of Young Arts, I was introduced into the presidential program um, and they flew me out to Washington, D.C. And I had the opportunity to work with a woman named Debbie Allen for two weeks. And it was working with Debbie Allen that for the first time 
I saw a black woman doing incredible work, respected by incredible people, and just opening my mind and my eyes to the possibilities of what I could do and who I could be. And I had no idea. I had no attachment, even a sliver sliver of an idea of what that was for me until I met Debbie. How old were you? 18. That is so beautiful and so horrific <laughs> at the same time. The, the fact that when I, I've heard stories like this before, that for the first time at 18, you saw a role model. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I think that there's too many of us that just can't relate with that, right? Yeah. And and um, I, I have some of my African-American friends, because I'm old, will talk about Muhammad Ali. Yeah. About him in the day when he was becoming the heavyweight champion. And they would say, talk about the impact that that had on them as black men. Yeah. And I and I thought, I just, I mean, when two or my first few friends told me about that, that for me was just a huge epiphany because I hadn't considered it enough things that I just take for granted. I see yeah. a lot of white men uh, who are successful or who are in those positions. And, it, and I just took that for granted on mm-hmm. how horrible it would be. I mean, horrible. Yeah. To, to not have those role models of what that would do to people as they're shaping their identities. And yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that the raising me deals with that too, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's a huge, that's a huge part and a huge driving factor of raising me is to help parents find representation and role models and introduce storybooks into their kids' lives when they're little that show that tell the stories of Harriet Tubman and Simone Biles and all of these people who are doing amazing things and paving history. Well, there's a, I mean, and, there's a, it's a long list. I mean, such a long list, right? Yeah. But kids don't know. Right. Kids don't know. Um, and so I, that's a, that's a huge part of what we're doing. So, um, when did you have the idea to, to co-found with your partner yeah. raise, raising me? Yeah. So, um, my partner, Stephanie Draper and I were working on, we'll call them art projects. They were a series of photo shoots that represented black women um, and the power of black women and also the struggle and the suffering of black women um, in their American experience. Right. Um, And come 2020 and there was an uprising again of racial justice or injustice and um, a new civil rights movement was kind of reborn. Um, And I remember just sitting in my room under lockdown because it was the pandemic. Wow, so many things were going on. But um, I'm sitting in my room and I just found myself feeling extremely frustrated Um, and more like definitely frustrated at the state of America and the state of the way people are being treated um, and the injustices that run so deeply through the roots of America. But I was also just so frustrated at my own experience. And then it took me so long to even know that all of these issues were happening and that all of these people who I now relate to and feel like I have um, that attachment to that I had to find, um, that I didn't even know, that I had no clue. Um, and And I would hop on social media and see so many families who've adopted black children. And I'd walk through Walmart and see families who have adopted black children and their hair wasn't taken care of, their skin wasn't taken care of. I could tell by the way they looked at me, they hadn't seen black people. Um, We're out here in Utah still 
And, um, and so I decided instead of being frustrated and mad about it, I wanted to do something about it. And so I called my friend Stephanie because we'd worked on projects together and I knew a lot of our passions were aligned um, and we founded Raising Me. That is so cool. That is just so cool. What's the mission yeah. of Raising Me? Really the mission is to help the parents raise confident and identity focused children who do not question who they are, who do not have the questions and the fears and the insecurities I had. Um, but are they just raise good, confident children who are proud of their heritage. Proud of their heritage, take pride in who they are and can exactly. move forward in a productive way. Mm -hmm. Because whether we realize it or not, something we discussed earlier is that there's a history of the world, but there's also a history of America. Mm -hmm. And there are generational things that get passed down. Right. And so when you start talking about what's going on now and in 2020, these are these are consequences of what's been going right. on for generations. Right. And we're we're all every one of us who's an American or who lives here in America, we're all part of it. We all have a history. We all have some 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 awakenings. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> some things to deal with of where, where we are in that story, right? Yeah, yeah. And just being aware that a lot of them are subconscious and that's okay. Yeah. But it's about becoming conscious of your subconsciouses that um, becomes a crucial part of this awakening and this development. Yeah. Well, that's great. So I'm assuming you're, you're, you're planning with raising me to develop resources then too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some of those resources probably to talk about history and to talk yeah. about what things that are passed down generationally, yep. probably, like you said, very specific things that deal with hygiene yep. and, um, uh, hair care, skin care, other things that you've mentioned. Um, what other resources do you see raising me happening for parents in the future? Sure. Yeah. So obviously we'll have our main resource library, which will have books. It'll have contacts for people you can reach out to, to get help with say hygiene, hair care, skin care, et cetera. Um, but really our main focus is on building out a library of e-courses that parents can tap into wow. and go through interactive courses that teach them about, Hey, if you see this behavior in this child, this might be some of the generational trauma that is manifesting now in their behavior. Yeah. Or if your child is complaining, um, or let's see, let's see, say your child is in preschool and is continuously being sent home, is going to get suspended, all these things at the age of five or how old is preschool? Three. Yeah. Okay. Here's what you need to understand about the adultification of black children in America. And this, it might not be your child's fault. And you as a parent need to go into the school and advocate. And here's how you do that. And here's how you have that conversation. Well, that's so, unbelievably helpful. Right. And it's, and it's, it's topics and things that parents just don't know and they don't know that they don't know it and they don't know that they need to know it. Yeah. Um, and so our hope and our goal is to bring those conversations and those resources right to the parents so they don't have to look for them. And it's all of the conversations that you need, how to advocate for your child, how to raise a confident child as a confident parent. That would be so helpful to, to parents of different ethnicities and different cultures. Yeah. I mean, to have that resource, I'll bet there's just unbelievable demand yeah. for it. I know there's an incredible need for it. There for, is. Like for, we we know is. that for sure. <laughs> and I'm hoping and I'll bet there's an amazing demand for it. I, I have several friends who've adopted uh, interracial children mm -hmm. adoptions. And I know, I know for sure that they would have loved to have the resources yeah. of raising me, the knowledge yeah. and resources to help yeah. them along the way because they, they go along and eventually stub their toes and run into issues that they right. didn't foresee coming. 
And um, and then what about the issues that they still haven't seen that their kids right. are struggling with? Right. And I think it's a special time, too, because um, it's it's always something that's been needed. But I think now with the power of social media and the yeah. way that conversations spread, um, more people are more aware of what they need to know or that they don't know what they don't know, but they need to know it. And so um, I think now the audience is more primed and ready to receive the resources because they know that they need the resources. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 In addition to all those resources, it sounds like you also have some partnerships that you're already starting to build for mentors. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I'm guessing that that's a, I would think that would be also a very helpful thing to parents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, having mentors and all different types of mentors, not just successful business people and other mentors or community leaders, but just other I mean, if 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 I adopted a black child, it'd be really helpful for me to have the, if there was mentors that could help in the th ways that I couldn't th that are beyond the resources that I could get online. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's great to know some of the things, but for me to to sit down and have a conversation as if I was yep. a, a, a black man of that experience, it, it just seems like there would be need for mentorship. Yeah, and Am that I off really on that? no, that's totally right. And that really comes in in our community opportunities section of our business plan. You could say. Um, and from our in-person events and then also just being able to build out that network right through Facebook groups, through um, connecting people at intentionally. Like I will intentionally connect a parent with a friend of mine because I know this friend of mine would A, be a great friend for this parent, but also a great mentor and guide for the parent and the child. Um, and, and there is extreme value in that. And so that is covered in our community opportunities section that we're building out. Um, and it will grow as we grow, but we will have mentorship opportunities and really we'll just call it friendship opportunities for the parents. Because if you're adopting the child of a different race, you should probably have friends who are also uh, that race, yeah, yeah. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> that very, very helpful. Yeah, yeah it, very it helpful. helps a lot. So, uh, raising me is a nonprofit organization. Yes, that, that you've started. Yep. And so, probably people can make donations. Yes. Yeah. Our yeah. public donations are not up and running yet, but we are in the process of that. Um, and you can stay updated at raisingme.org is our website. All right. Um, we are looking for corporate sponsors, though. We have an event coming up in November. Great. When we're done, can we talk about this today? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to. So, but for people to find you, it's at raisingme.org. Yes. Raisingme.org. Okay. That's fantastic. So let's shift gears. You, you've, that's great that you're a successful entrepreneur. In fact, if I, I want to ask this question. Um, what has been the hardest part of getting this entrepreneurial venture off the ground? Um, <laughs> for me, I think it has been an imposter syndrome of just feeling like, well, am I the right person to do this? I mean, I'm the right person to know that there's an issue here and there's a gap here that needs to be filled, but am I the one that's supposed to do it? I'm just this girl who was raised in Utah who didn't even really know what it meant to be black or that she really was black until she was like 18. And you know what I mean? Like I just yeah. have so many things that I allow, I, I allow myself to discredit myself. Um, and so I think that's been my biggest hurdle is to just convince myself that I am the person who's supposed to do this. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been my idea. And what I don't know, I'm learning. And I know the people I need to know to learn on the go and to learn what I need to learn and do what I need to do to do what I need to do. 
If if not you, then who? Exactly. So um, we recently had Jimmy Rex on this podcast, and he he was having a similar conversation about helping some other people who were in trauma, and his yeah. his girlfriend yeah, was he does telling great him, work. They're saying, "I don't want you to, uh, I don't want you to do that anymore because it's dangerous." He's like, "Well, I have to. These people need help," and she's like, "Well, let them do it." They'll, mm-hmm. they'll take care of it. And his response was, wait a minute, we are the they. Yeah. And like, that's his movement now is we are the they. I love that. And that's, I mean, that's what I'm hearing you I say. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, I think I, I would only add to that is I think that people should take action where they're passionate. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that anybody, if they felt a passion toward this, could have launched this venture. I think, right. I think a white man like myself could have launched the venture. I would have needed an unbelievable amount of help. Like because I'm I'm totally incapable of actually developing the content and everything else, but I'm just I I just want to say to people like don't don't sit there and sit on your hands and do nothing about something where you yeah. see a need. If you see a need, fill the need. Absolutely. Be passionate. You are just extra qualified because not only are you a great entrepreneur, but you 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 also are come from a biracial home and and even more than that when it comes from culture. So I actually don't know if I know anybody who'd be more qualified. Well, thank you. I mean, your husband. I well, and he's gonna yeah. he's gonna help when we expand out from just focusing on African American and to black Polynesian. cultural. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah, and I'm I'm anxious to get involved as well. So you've you've already received a couple of awards uh, here in Utah. Do you want to tell us a little about those? Sure. Yeah. Um, I believe it was two years ago, one or two years ago. I was um, named as one of Utah's forty under forty, which wow. is an award for business owners and entrepreneurs who are just building businesses people to watch yes exactly um and then the most recent is the utah business 30 women to watch award um which i received a few months ago congratulations thank you yeah that's quite an achievement yeah i'm very excited and and it's not just because of what you're doing with raising me but it's also because you're a nationally acclaimed artist yeah (laughs) singer songwriter yeah yes yeah so when, when did this profession begin um, so I wrote my first song when I was eight and I wrote the song for my dad and it was all about believing in yourself. And if you just believe in yourself, you can do anything. Um, and he had me come and sing that song at one of his business conventions. And so I got up there and I cried because I was so shy and my dad held me in his arms and I sang this song about believing in yourself that, you wrote? Um, that I wrote. How old were you? Eight. Oh. <laughs> And you had written out, oh my word, you were eight? <laughs> I was eight. Um, and yeah, I sang this song for like 200 people, cried my way through it and fell in love with it. Um, and so then I just kept writing and recorded my first CD when I was 12 with my sister, which we actually recorded um to raise money to pay for kids in Cambodia to go to school. Wow. Which is how I got over being shy. I used to be incredibly shy. Um, and my sister and I went to the mall with these CDs and we'd walk up to people and say, can I sing you a song for a dollar? And they'd say, yeah, sure. And then I'd say, want to buy a CD for $7? <laughs> and then they'd buy a CD and we sent four kids to school in Cambodia. It's also pretty good marketing. Great marketing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, by you. Can yeah. I sing you a song for a dollar? Hook up with that. Then I mean, sell them a CD. I mean, it's it's the structure of my life, really. How you and, think I got Tony on <laughs> And you're... And, but, <laughs> I think he got you. Yeah. So and and uh, and you're making a world a better place by helping people in Cambodia at the yeah. time. 
Okay, so then, so you're 12, then what was so next? So I was 12, and then 15, I went out to Nashville, recorded a bunch of songs out there, and started releasing professionally recorded music. Yeah. Um, and that's when my love for songwriting really took off, and I took some songwriting courses um, and fell in love with the storytelling that yeah. songs have and the power that they have to convey messages and to move people and to um, communicate in such a special way. Um, and so... From there, it was just, it was, it was easy sailing. I just, when you're, when you're that passionate about something, it never feels like work. So it's hard to get into the day-to-day grind of it. But, um, I, I started doing assemblies and presentations at 15 across the nation, um, talking about, um, anti-bullying and kindness and very much a suicide prevention, um, kind of message, um, promoting love and just how to be kind and love people where they are and to find a friend in everybody. Um, and so I did that from 15 to 18. Um, so that was most of my high school years (laughs) were spent on the stages of other high schools across the nation. Um, spending, spreading that message. Ray, you've had a very interesting life experience because you're right. I mean, we're only at 15. (laughs) I know. 56. <laughs> okay. So then what was next? Yes. And then um, after that is when I went out to Young Arts with um, in Miami um, and then to Washington, D.C. for the Presidential Scholars um, of the Arts Award. And then I went back out to Miami and worked with a woman named Marika Hughes, um, who also became an incredible mentor and life shaper for me. Um, and she was the first woman who taught me how to um, stand up for myself in a professional setting um, when being treated and represented incorrectly. Um, as so a woman, culturally, as a woman, ethnically, all, all of the above. Okay. All of the above. Yeah. It was um, an incredibly painful and moving and teaching experience. Um, and I learned a lot from her and continue to still. She's a great mentor and friend. Hopefully that's being incorporated also into raising me. Everything. Yep. Yeah. It, <laughs> it all ties in. Yeah. Good. Um, and so then after, after Miami, I went and I did American Idol. Um, which was a great experience. Would never do it again, probably, but it was a great experience. Learned a lot. had a lot of fun. Um, And then since then, I have just been touring. I sing in a few bands. um, and We play a lot of corporate gigs, a lot of weddings, and then I do um, a lot of solo shows as well as Brie Ray with my own original music. Um, And I currently do some songwriting with some artists for their own personal projects and some artist coaching, um, which covers songwriting lessons, voice lessons, and just artist branding the whole little package there. Wow. So, wow. And you're, you're amazingly talented. Thank you. Amazingly talented, beautiful, changing the world, making it a better place. And now I get to call you family. So yes. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. That's a chocolate <laughs> yeah. up for me. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the Live It podcast. And I, I really want to say, especially thank you for starting raising me. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I, th- I really, really think that it's the work you're doing there is important. I want to invite anyone who's listening to join in and look in at raisingme.org that I think it will meaningfully uh, can, will impact people's lives. And I, I mean, in a very, very positive way. And I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I heard you talk about, you did stuff that was suicide prevention, other things. Mm-hmm. I think that helping people find a sense of self and a sense yeah. of identity 
in a proud, productive way where you can develop self-confidence is just one of the most important things that we could do for for anyone. But I especially, absolutely agree. Especially for young people. And it sounds like you are empowering adoptive parents and parents everywhere to be able to do that. Yep, absolutely. And I think that there's just a warmth and a kindness to that. Thank you for making the world a better place. Thank you.